Hello there, one and all. Welcome back to the Uncivilized Cantina, where we take some hot topic issues and we talk about them in a mostly civilized fashion. From the internet comes two strangers. I am your host, Ken Benobi, and with me as always, my intrepid co-host, you know her, you love her, the one, the only, Leela! I always feel like... <laughs> Whenever you do the intro, I always feel like we're like in the WWE or some like old school radio. <laughs> I mean, if oh my you gosh. smell what my wife is cooking. <laughs> What's up, patrons? Of course, this is Leah Love. Uh, I'm sure that you are all reeling uh, just like we are. And we're just going to get right into it. The topic of the day, which is episode six of the Book of Boba Fett. It is the penultimate episode. Mm -hmm. There is a lot. A lot. I just, I think everybody just kind of needs to process this. And I'm not sure if a week is enough. No, no, absolutely not. And you know what? I'm just going to do what they've been doing the last two weeks. I'm just going to get right to it. I'm not even going to make you wait. I'm not going to make you guess. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to leave you wondering. I'm just going to get right to it. I love this episode. Like some of the best Star Wars I think I've ever seen committed to film as a Star Wars fan. As an admirer of long-form storytelling and a viewer of the show... And an appreciator of the narrative the Book of Boba Fett has been putting together, I think it's the weakest episode so far. I agree. Because for the second week in a row now, we have had exactly bleep all to do with Boba Fett. This is not his show anymore. This is the Mandalorian show. And now it's Luke Skywalker's show. Because they gave us the man. The man in black. He is back again. And oh, talk about where the budget went for the for the entire thing. Good Lord. Everybody complaining about how awful some of the effects are looking and the speeder chase this and the production value that. Okay, yes, that has been a bit of a noticeable thing. And it did kind of make me scratch my head sometimes. After seeing From the Desert Comes a Stranger... All that money went into Luke Skywalker's face. Oh, yeah. After the end of season two of The Mandalorian and the absolute backlash that Disney got, considering that there were amateur filmmakers and animators who on YouTube were like, so I did this in a week or I did this in short X amount of time. Why does it look better than Di- you know than Disney's? And I don't think we've ever really gotten an answer for that. So you're correct. There was so much, but there was still some uncanny valley going on, mostly with his mouth. There was some kind of head tilts, turned around to look behind him. His nose kind of disappeared a little bit. There was a moment when he is in shadow and it kind of got wonky. And there was even one, I don't know if anybody caught this, during the the rock jumping part, and we're going to get into that, it wasn't his face. <laughs> There's one, there's a moment, a millisecond, he hops to one, uh, it's shooting from the ground up, and he's hopping over the the rocks, and that's not him. That wasn't his face. It's like they forgot (laughs) 
didn't do it because it became very, very real. It became a very real, tangible face. And it was the actor who is his stunt double, which we know is not Mark Hamill. Well, and to be perfectly honest, how many modern actors and actresses do their own stunts to the point where if you're watching carefully enough, you can totally tell it's not them. Well, it's not that. For So, for example, uh, Mark Hamill no longer has that body type that he did when he was 21. Or how old was he when he was filming Return of the Jedi? Uh, he was 19 in 1977, 1976. And Return of the Jedi, what, was filmed 1982 or 80? Um. Let's see. He got the role in 75 and he was 24. So he oh, would he have was. been about 32. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. No. Well, 75. If I 70... do my math correct, if I do, or he was at least 29, 30 years old. Okay. I guess I'm remembering that uh, Space Mom, she was 19 at the time. And I thought he was as well. I didn't realize that he was. He was a few years older than she was. So you're right. But he wasn't, he didn't have, he doesn't have the same body type that he did, you know, 30, 40 years ago because of that. And he also, because of his age, no disrespect to Mr. Hamill, to my joker, okay, sweetie, honey. I mean, no offense, but are you looking at Harley Quinn? Did you really not get Harley Quinn right there? Mr. J? I mean, I I don't know. I I kind of wasn't picking up on that. I mean, I I don't know. We we must be watching two different things. I mean, (laughs) do you not know who Harley Quinn is? I know. I was not born under a rock, man. Like I watched (laughs) Batman the animated series as a kid in the nineties. Come on, man, Mister J. Anyway, (laughs) so sorry. Sorry, Mr. J. Sorry, Mark Hamill, but he ain't as spry as he used to be. So he he can't physically do those stunts. His body type isn't the same. It's not the same as he was 30, 40 years ago, and he can't do these things anymore. So they have to make a stand-in that is not only younger, because, again, when you look at their faces, and, yes, there's de-aging going on, they're plasticing on a smoother face, a face that doesn't have wrinkles, that doesn't have the different the textures and the planes and everything like that so that it can fit better. Yeah, and we have the technology now where special effects companies can actually create very, very lifelike proximities of actors and actresses' faces for stunt people to wear, like an actual like mm-hmm. mask mask. Um, there's a... a popular image from Age of Ultron with Jeremy Renner wearing the stunt doubles mask of Scarlett Johansson. It's, it's so oh. uncanny. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I never like, want to see that. Oh, oh. Yeah, but now I know I, I can see the wheels turning in your in, in your brain, Leah. I, I know you want to. Yeah, so um, if they could do that, surely they could have done something just to give the stunt double something to wear, even though we know it's not Mark Hamill. I mean, come on. Like, watching him do all the stunts, it was fun. It was cool watching Luke, you know, do that homage to the Empire Strikes Back with the running sequence, complete with the jump flip. Like, mm-hmm. that was fun. But then when you're spending all that money to put digital Mark Hamill's face on the guy and pulled it off, for me, it was like 
9%. In fact, if you're right, there are a couple of moments where like the mouth movements at a certain angle just didn't jive with me. Other than that, massive improvement on, yeah, on subsequent viewings, like I, I was completely in awe the entire time, natural lighting. It, it, felt smoother it felt like it was composited a lot better and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i think the person who did the job for the mandalorian season two for me depending on which tv i was watching it on it looked really good on one not so good on the other because of the way the contrast and the lighting was on my television and after watching how they did it at the time People need to remember the technology for Mandalorian season two that they were using, they were putting that stuff together about a year or so before the episode even premiered. So they were working with essentially outdated tech by our standards. And the guy was also essentially locked in a room. He had no contact. Mm-hmm. It was just this one dude trying to put this all together. So Really? Yeah. I give oh. I give that guy a ton of credit. Now, sure. Now that yeah. isn't to say Lucasfilm did wrong by him by hiring the YouTuber who knocked it out of the park. Right. They put that guy to work right away, and that budget went to that. Now, before we get into Luke's face even more and take up the entire episode with that, let's, let's just. Take it all- let, all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's start. yeah, let's uh yeah. well no, I was I was going to I was going to segue into the next thing for me as a fan watching this show. Ahsoka ah. and Luke on screen together. Together they did it. Oh my god, they did it. 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 We're going to They did it. We're going to hold off on that. We're going to no spoilers for the rest of the episode. We're going to get to that because I also have very strong feelings. In which we have a, a little segment that a friend of mine has named uh, that we're going to do later on. So we're going to bring it all the way back to the very beginning, minute zero zero, second zero zero, and just kind of go beat by beat. Let's look at these things real quickly as we normally do, starting with Timothy Oliphant, Daddy Sheriff. Like, oh, oh, uh, like he walked on that screen. And I felt like it was Boba's show again. I saw him. I thought it was, I was like, okay, we're back to being Boba Fett. We're getting the crew together because this is what, you know, they do. And honestly, the way that he handled himself, and he was such the ideal man, just kicking the spice box over. And it's a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, that one little box is worth more than his town. That one little box could have gone to every family, could have set up generational wealth, absolutely transformed the entire area. But along with it comes feeding into the spice trade. Oh, yeah. And one is more important than the other. Absolutely. Uh, My only gripe about Cobb Banth being on the show is that Holy Moses, he should have been on there episode two, episode three mm-hmm. even. As soon as Boba's starting to realize it's the Pikes, they could have yeah. the best segue they could have had is have Cobb Banth walk in with this box as like you think he's there for tribute. He's like, hey, no, this is your f- problem. You need to fix this. 
I'm from Moss Palgo territories. We don't want any part of this. You, yeah. you take this back to him and you go. We're going to get into that later on, the consequences of Cobb's actions. I'm just, I mean, to me, the oil font, I mean, dude is made for Westerns. Oh, yeah. Can you just, can you just imagine that conversation that Filoni and Favreau have with them? Hey, uh, hey, hey, Timothy, do you, you want you, you want to do Justified again? Oh, no, not really. Justified <laughs> in space. Oh, Justified <laughs> in space with your own set of Boba Fett armor. You son of a bleep. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Yeah, you're right. Like, he was made for that. And and I do agree. I think that that would have been a great segue. We didn't get it, but we did get this. And so, to me, this episode was feeling, okay, it's the Boba Fett show. Everything's getting back together. However, as I predicted last episode, when I was like, oh, they're going to wait. We're not going to see this. Nope. Here we are. You know, he's got to go find a little one. And honestly, I am for as great as it ended up being, I was incredibly disappointed. It was more instant gratification. I honestly think that if they would have just waited, done a season three of Mandalorian without Grogu for them to be reunited at the end and have him doing Mando stuff and making his way back there would have been so much more fulfilling to see Luke again, to see Grogu, to get Ahsoka, all of that. It, it takes away that anticipation. I just, again, I just really think they jumped the gun. I completely 100% agree with you. In fact, I am going to reaffirm my stance from last week in that Book of Boba Fett needed a slight narrative tweak. So it, it's not so flashback heavy. And they could have done it in two parts. Part one is him getting out of the Sarlacc, getting back on his feet, taking over Jabba's palace. Boom. Hiatus. Because they go into the Mandalorian season two. Okay. And then as a nice little, oh yeah, hiatus. But surprise, here's a nice little hour and a half special titled The Return of the Mandalorian. And at the very end, it involves him going to help Boba, which ties into Boba Fett Part 2, okay? All of last week's episode and the first half of this week's episode would have been the best gift to Star Wars fans. The best gift of Mandalorian fans. The return of the Mandalorian should have been its own special thing. Instead, they dropped that in the middle of Book of Boba Fett and what we have, Leah, and you can... Correct me if I'm wrong, but what we have here is filler disguised as cleverly written and executed fan service, also known as a bait and switch. Isn't it a bait and switch? It kind of felt like a bait and switch. It didn't feel like a bait and switch to me, but, and I understand where you're kind of getting that idea from. And again, I'm going to be one of those people, and I'm usually not one of those people, but I'm going to say, trust Filoni and Favreau. We've got to trust them. They know what they're doing as storytellers. They know everything, all the ins and outs. They can back up their you know, story with sources. They can completely justify everything. I'm not saying that they're completely without fault. I'm not saying that they're perfect 100%, not at all. But what I'm saying is that 
there is a reason to this. There has to be. Again, because we're not getting 13 episodes. We're not getting eight episodes. It's a random seven-episode season. Also, the length of the episodes are all over the place that they're not into just doing things to do them or to fill a quota. They do what the story allows. Runtimes, characters, arcs, everything. They have a method to their madness. So I would say trust them there's because there's got to be something that's coming next week there's got to be and we know that we know that next week's episode is not the end we know that the show isn't getting canceled we know that it's coming back for a season two this isn't the last of it yeah i again i completely agree with you on that one to trust Favreau and Filoni means that you will not be disappointed with the overall quality of the storytelling and craft that's put in to the shows they have proven time and again their ability to create smart Star Wars. They have stripped away the veneer, the spectacle, the explosions, the lightsabers, the creatures, all that stuff, the CG. Okay, They've stripped down Star Wars to its bare essence, the DNA of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. If you didn't get Sergio Leone vibes watching this episode, especially at the end, and hum a certain very well-known Western theme song. Clearly, you don't know Dave Filoni, his style, or what he likes to do. He did it with the episode The Jedi in The Mandalorian Season 2 with Ahsoka, Akira Kurosawa, man. Straight samurai films. This one's a Western. And it works okay, so well. It works so well. absolutely. Yep, you are one hundred percent correct. Okay, corral. showdown, showdown at the Okay Corral. That's right. So you're right. Trust them. You're right. They're not perfect. And I, I, I still feel like this could have been the book of Boba Fett through and through. You still could have had Din Djarin come in, but we didn't need to see Luke and Grogu, or Ahsoka even. Yeah, you bring we're going to be the unpopular opinion here. <laughs> Again, if they would just let it be its own narrative, its own thing, and then leave the, the Din and Grogu stuff with Luke and Ahsoka for its own special, I would have been more than happy with that. I, they uh, could have opened season three of The Mandalorian with it. Yeah, especially because at the end of the episode, Fanex like, oh, you do want a job? And Din's like, well, I got to go visit somebody first. They could have opened with... Din flying back to Tatooine, landing at Jabba's palace, and they go through the mission debrief of what's going on. And people are like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Are we ever going to see it? Yes, you will. It's just not going to happen right away. You will see it. You That's will what I said last it. week, you know? know? Right. But this is, so this is on our minds, and this is how we're reacting. And I think that everybody's kind of getting caught up in the spectacle. And I think that the people who are not liking the book of Boba Fett they're missing one key part is that this has been filmed for a year now. This is not an episodic thing. This is not something that they threw in. This has been planned. And two, there's a reason to the madness and it's not to earn them back. It's not saying that they were right and this is how it should have gone. But again, it's one of those, we have to trust that process. Now that you, you know, we're talking about the okay corral kind of scene Let's go over the characters that we have in here. We see Luke, 
We seek Ahsoka. We see R2, that little shit. I mean, living up to his name for sure. <laughs> but I'm like, where's 3PO? Is he with Leia? I'm, I'm guessing he's with Leia at this point. Because, I mean, why would he be with... Uh, was he a nanny for... I don't think he was part of the nanny team for... He wasn't, he wasn't Ben's nanny. I must, and remember, Ben's like five at this time, so he doesn't really need a nanny. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he does. 3PO it could have been a part of any sort of... Diplomatic. Pre-K education. Just kind of like, what was he doing with Padme when she was preggers? Uh, well, I'm seeing as more as being diplomatic rela- diplomatic relations uh, with Leia because, you know, at, at the time she's rebuilding the Republic. She's, you know, getting all of that. And that's a conversation for another time. Uh, Especially because this is also before everybody finds out she's Vader's daughter. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, we have Grogu. And since we already talked about the OK Corral, Cad Bane. Cad freaking Bane. Oh, my God. Like, if I knew it was him from the first glance of that silhouette. Absolutely. The hat gives it away. And I'm sitting there like, is it? Is it? Is it? After what I had just gone through through most of the episode, I'm like, please don't toy with my emotions anymore. And I'm just sitting there like, what? And Honestly, this was this was foreshadowed at the very beginning. When you have uh, Vanth going up against the Pikes, being the fastest gun in the West, right? And then you've got this showdown, and you're like, "Well, I know how ca- how much of a badass that Cad Bane is." Well, Cobb Vanth is also a bad dude. Who I didn't know who I wanted to win. I I didn't know. Like you want the good guy to win, but it's Cad Bane, and you're like, "But Cad Bane's gotta win." No, what? <laughs> well, see, they, they did two things. First, they, they, they killed the Star Wars equivalent of a red shirt just to prove a point. Cad could have just popped him once and been done. No, he lit that guy You mean Vance's boyfriend? They, they, he lit him up like a Christmas tree. And they, everyone who is freaking out about whether or not Cobb Manth is alive or dead, if you actually slow it down, you can clearly see he's getting popped just around the deltoid region under the collarbone, he'll be fine. Cad Bane was sending a message. As long as the spice flows. I mean, he said it. No one gets hurt, which further leads me to believe that it was the Pikes that took out the Tusken camp, if not Cad Bane himself. Can you imagine that showdown between Boba Fett and Cad Bane? Boba finds out it was Cad Bane who did that, especially if you, again, going back to... That interaction with Boba the first time with the the leader of the the Pikes. Oh, we already have a deal with these guys. We can't do two at the same time. You're going to have to work it out with them. Oh, yes. We look forward to our new arrangement. Bull Roar. They they knew that already. They name-dropped that gang to send Boba after them as a red herring, knowing full well that's exactly what Boba would do. And that's what Mm -hmm. Boba did. So you take out two competitors at the same time to allow yourself free reign to do whatever you want. And then if it's Cad Bane who does it, they already have history. Clearly, Cad Bane does not like Boba Fett. And then if Boba finds out it was, in fact, Cad Bane, imagine that showdown. Imagine it. It's going to be so good. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that would, that's what everything is, everybody's waiting for, is that showdown. But to wrap up kind of the characters that we see 
is one, the ice cream maker shows up twice. The Kemtono? <laughs> is it, what is it? I believe it's called the Kemtono, I think. Is it? Okay. Coritano. Uh, but yeah, the ice cream maker shows up twice. It's in the very first scene. It's in the second to last scene. And then I don't think anybody realizes this, but the little bug robots, right? Those are Boston Dynamic robots. And it's not the first time one of the robots has been in this show. He, their uh, canine uh, unit is in, I think it's the second episode, when you see the litter of the huts, and they're right before them. So we've got the Boston Dynamics dog, uh, and they're builders. Like, how cool is that? Oh, I think that's amazing, especially because Star Wars is so ingrained in the, in the zeitgeist that it only stands to reason that it comes full circle when people are trying to actually build automatons of some kind, and they end up in the very show that inspired them to get into that sort of thing in the first place. Just like Star Trek, not to bring up our competitor, Star Trek stuff is all over the place. We have flip phones because of Star Trek. Motorola mm -hmm. developed the very first prop flip phone or flip top communicator is what it's called. I'm sorry. And that translated into cell phones and stuff like, you know, the Google glass glasses mm -hmm. or whatever they are. What else have we seen? We've, the, the touch pads that they used to use. Oh yeah. Star Trek stuff is everywhere. So it, again, it only stands to reason that androids in some form robots Bring them in real life. Hey, bring them into Star Wars. Just dress them up to make them look like Star Wars. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it was so cool. It was really great. And okay, so now we're getting to the part that everybody wants to talk about. And this is where we're going to introduce this segment. And I'm going to, okay, here's the backstory of this little segment. It's a very good friend of mine. <laughs> huge Star Wars fan. Her and her husband, huge Star Wars fans. Uh, I've referenced them before in the show. Uh, we were talking about... Who, who would we be? Would we be Jedi or Sith? Now, I am a Sith, like old, old, old Republic or uh, old school Sith. I'm talking when they had their own planets, own star system, like old type Sith. I said she would be a Jedi. And her husband's like, that's because nobody knows her. But I made some very good points of why she would be a good Jedi. But no, she's a Sith. So <laughs> we're talking about this episode and she's like, I just want to hear your hate. Like, just let it flow. <laughs> so this segment is, we're calling Let Leah's Hate Flow or something along the lines. And so here we go. I've said it before. I am not a fan of the animated version of Ahsoka. I was super excited for Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka. Loved her in The Mandalorian. I was like, okay, I can get behind this Ahsoka. And then she shows up. And I literally spent most of the episode with huge anxiety because I could not enjoy the whole Dagobah run, the callback to Yoda being in the backpack, everything that has to do with that whole thing with Luke because of Ahsoka. And I'm sitting here like, please don't make me hate you again. Please, I just started liking you. Please don't make me hate you again. But when Din Djarin comes and R2 takes him to this place and she's like, that's why she br he brought you to me. I was like, oh, you manipulative little bitch. Like, what did you do? What did you do? Oh, oh, not R2. R2 is perfect. Let's just get that. But then I like absolutely sobbed 
When Mando left, I'm sitting here, all this anxiety, everything, and then he leaves and I'm sobbing. But the whole time he's like, yeah, follow me. Great, friend of the family. And I'm like, okay, I don't like where this is going. I don't like where this is going. And then she starts giving him the third degree. I'm like, you have, you have no reason to to give him this. You have no right to this information. Maybe he can be both a Padawan and a foundling. You're not a Jedi anymore. F off. Go away. And then, because this trope, this is what this is from. This trope is the whole, it's called the adoptive parent trope. And it's where one or a group of people lets somebody go because they think that they will be better off. And to the thousands of people who have to make this decision every year, my heart goes out to you. But this is what this trope is. And typically it's done very, very badly. It's not Sophie's choice. It's rarely ever Sophie's choice. And it's almost always done poorly in which, hey, that question could still be asked at the very end if Mando had seen him. It wasn't like he wasn't just gonna like up and take him. So he was ready to go. And then he lets himself be talked into leaving by Ahsoka. And I'm just like, girl, back away, go away, stop it. And I sat there the whole time like, are you gonna do the right thing? Are you going to do the right thing and give this gift to him? You better do it, you better do it. And so the whole time I can't enjoy this bonding time between Luke and Grogu because then you have Grogu basically reaching out for Mando because he's leaving because he sees him. And I'm like, no, my son, just let, just let my son's father see his husband and son. Like, what is going on here? I don't understand. And then, and then she does the right thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to hate you anymore, but I don't like what you're doing, Luke. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, Mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm -mm. because I don't like his tone of voice. I don't like the indecision. And then she saw like, just like your father. What? How? How is that like Anakin? Please explain that to me. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. And then, so I'm just like, oh, thank God. Like she gave the gift. Great. That's fine. But why are you about to make Luke Skowalski a dick? Like, why are you about to do this? Because you better give him this gift. This is Luke Skywalker. Good guy, Luke. And I'm like, of course he's going to give Grogu the gift, right? It's Luke. And then that all happens. I'm like, no, 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 you know, oh my gosh. I never thought that I would hate Luke Skywalker. And here's the thing for everyone moaning about that, like the last Jedi Luke wasn't their Luke. You can't like this Luke and hate that one. They are mutually exclusive, but this Luke isn't the Luke that he's that he is in the last jedi cuz he's already making mistakes and he's already making bad decisions and he knows better than this and it's like did she did Ahsoka get her talents into him do i need to start hating Ahsoka again uh-uh this is not what's happening and then at the very end the last scene Luke is unquestionably cruel for those who are listening that have kids you understand toddlers and Grogu is a toddler he is yes he's 50 but he is a toddler. And granted, he's nonverbal, so I'm not exactly sure where in his mental development he is. But to me, he reads like he's an 18-month-old instead of like a three-year-old. But if you give a toddler the choice between a nap and a cookie, which one are they going to choose? They're always going to choose the cookie 100% of the time. They're never going to choose the nap, ever. They're very self-focused. They're all about instant gratification. But if you tell them, you can only have your blankie or your favorite stuffed animal, that kid is gonna have an aneurysm. They're gonna sit there and cry or they're gonna try to get both. But also Luke's statement of a lifetime for them is a short time for you doesn't work the way he thinks it does. 
because it's the dog analogy. So there's a great webcomic, I'm sure most people have seen it, where it's an older dog talking to a puppy and about how the gods that take care of them, these eternal entities. Because again, for dogs, while they are not in our lives forever, we are their entire life. For Grogu and Mando, that, that doesn't work the way that he thinks it does. It's even more incentive for Grogu to be with Mando because he's going to be with Mando for all of Mando's life, even if he's not going to be with him, Mando, for all of it. And I'm just like, why are you being so cruel? Because then he gives him the ultimatum. Because this is what makes it cruel. Those two analogies. But hey, here's a gift from your dad. Isn't it great? So you can always have something with you that is his to cherish him and remember you by remember him by or you can have this really flashing glow stick that makes really cool noises and like you can swing around and hit things with oh but you can only choose one so you can either get the cool toy and not have something to remember your dad by or have the thing that remember that your dad gave you or the really cool flashy toy and a child that age doesn't have the mental capacity to choose the correct one they don't. They don't. My name is Leah Love. Thank you for coming to my hateful TED Talk. Whoa. Yeah, let's take a breath and <laughs> properly process and digest what you just heard. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way in a sense. And it took me three times watching this show to understand it because it still gives me anxiety. See, and trust Favreau and Filoni. I know. Dave Filoni understands Star Wars better than I would imagine any other person on the planet right now because he directly studied under George Lucas. Luke was making the same mistakes the Jedi of old did. And Ahsoka was too short-sighted to see it herself. And and she, in a way, was closer to what a, a Jedi should be than the old Jedi. Even Obi-Wan, one of my favorites. You in can you can 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 McGregor? Okay. Uh, his name is Ewan. My gift is my song, McGregor. Okay, I I pa- Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got him confused with the other Ewan. All right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. His version of Obi Wan that is more iconic than Alec Sir Alec Guinness's version. He was deeply flawed as a Jedi. Qui Gon Jinn was the truest Jedi we've ever seen in Star Wars, and Luke. In his quest to try to be like the old Jedi, he's forgetting the central thing. That it's not about having attachments. Having attachments doesn't make you susceptible to the dark side. It doesn't. Anakin even says it in episode two. You know, compassion, it's, it's unconditional love. Like, that's essential to a Jedi's life. But we know what a basket case Anakin Skywalker was because I don't think they had any mental health experts on, on staff at the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not the it's not the attachment part; it's the fear of losing them, and that Yoda even spells that out in the prequels. Fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Attachment leads to jealousy. That shadow of greed. Fear of loss is the path of the dark side. Okay, so what you have to do is, yes, cherish your attachments, care about them. But understand that loss, losing them, is a natural part of life. Again, Yoda even says this. Rejoice for those who transform into the Force. 
More of them do not. Miss them do not. Like that, that that's a very central thing. But Luke is doing with the Jedi of old who got caught up in their dogma, who got caught up in their politics and trying to be more the administrators and, and political diplomats, so to speak. Yeah. They were not true Jedi. Luke is making those same mistakes again. He mm-hmm. is asking a young child to forsake his adoptive father, his father, for that shiny glow stick. Which, how he got his hands on Yoda's lightsaber is beyond me because it it was one of those things where they depicted in canon that they apparently recovered it. The the Empire recovered it after the after the events and of Revenge of the Sith and destroyed. Yeah. So here's another retcon that I guess that story group is really earning their paychecks now. I, I'll tell you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Luke. Yeah. I, I can't fault Luke for that because again, it kind of plays into sad, you know, Jake Skywalker that ends up on Octo. Yes, that was not Luke Skywalker in the last year, at least the one that I grew up with. But let me let me finish here. In a way, Filoni is smart because he is he's acknowledging that just because Luke achieved that hero's journey doesn't mean that all of his flaws were 100% gone. I don't care how mature a person is. I don't care how well learned somebody is. I don't care how much experience somebody has. We all have our flaws and faults that are with us to the day we die. They're not always super prevalent and they don't always show themselves, but they're there. They're there. We may be better at hiding them. We may be better with coping with them, living with them, being able to overcome them, but they're still there. And Luke, again, I think he is trying so hard to be a forward thinker that he's not taking a step back to go, okay, what really did make the Jedi fall? And for all we know, Ahsoka is trying to help him along in that way. But what is she telling him? What is she not telling him? Is he hearing only what he wants to hear? Is she selectively withholding certain bits of information from him in her own fear of repeating the mistakes of what happened with Anakin? Because she's seen it. She, she got to see it firsthand in a sense. At least she saw Anakin as Anakin was. She got to deal with the fallout of his decision a la Order 66. So Luke... I think is making the same mistakes of the Jedi of old, which ultimately will lead to the last Jedi, or at least what happened in the last Jedi. You also have to ask what parts of the Jedi creed does Ahsoka still agree with? That's a big thing because that will influence what knowledge she passes on to Luke. Now, granted, we don't know what she's already taught him. We don't know how long she's been with him, but we do know that she's left and he's like, well, I see you again. And she says, possibly. We don't know, which leaves it up to interpretation. So, again, that really influences it. And remember, Grogu is part of that original Jedi Order. And this is one thing that I wanted to talk with you about because you're a father of two. One is a toddler and one is just older than a toddler. Oh, okay, they're both toddlers. So you understand this behavior. You understand... A child's baby more than I do. I don't have kids. My niece is five and a half months old. Like, I, I don't know, but you have more about this. But this is gonna be kind of like a multi-pronged question. From what I'm figuring out, is that one, when Luke is like, Do you remember back home? Do you want to? 
everybody is treating him as if 50 is the same in human years as it is in his years. But remember, when we're first introduced to him, Din Djarin's like, oh, the person's 50. And then we see this baby. And he's like, this is 50? And this is what? 25 years? This happens, what, 25 years after the the fall of Order 66? Um, If I do my math correctly, I want to say almost 30 years after Order 66 because Order 66 is 19 years before A New Hope. Jedi is four years after that, and Mandalorian is supposed to be five years after that. So about 28 years. Okay, so 28 years. He's 50, which 28 minus 50 is 22. So he's 22 during Order 66. We don't know how long he's been with the temple. We don't know when he was taken from his species. We don't know how long he's trained. But again, we don't, and we don't know if 22 is the same maturity as he is now. We don't know how long it takes for him to mature. We don't know how long it takes for him to understand something. We don't know how long it'll be till he's verbal. We don't, if he's verbal at all. We don't know anything that he's learned or what the teaching process is because so far everything that we know is basically based on human maturity. And Luke says, it's more like he's remembering than I'm teaching. And remember, this has been 28 years. It's been 28 years since he was a Jedi youngling. Because I don't I don't agree with Ahsoka that he's a Padawan. He's still a youngling. He's still a, he's not to Padawan yet. He can't yet. Yeah, a lot to process there in terms of how the lore kind of fits in with everything because in star wars verbiage matters it kind of does especially in the context of the world building and filoni to slip up that way is uncharacteristic but at the same time who knows you're right maybe he's talking off screen and we don't hear him we don't know there's still so much mystery and intrigue left that i can't wait to see where it all ends up and first of all i love his remembering order 66 at first I'm like oh that's kind of sh- that's they're moving a little wonky i'm like no he's remembering and memory is fickle so for him they weren't doing super flashy moves of course everything is slow motion and traumatic you know these these moves i'm kind of doing on camera for leah like a <laughs> dope you know what i mean and clever easter egg they were right in front of barris Ophi's door the padawan i'm sorry Jedi apprentice that was a friend to Ahsoka. Uh, well, Padawan was the right word. I don't think she made it to full knighthood yet. During the Clone Wars, she became disillusioned with the Order to the effect of turning to the dark side as as a result in framing poor Ahsoka for something she didn't do. They did my bears dirty. Yeah, they well, they kind of did, yeah. But that was also her door that they were fighting in front of. And the prevailing internet theory is that Barris Offi is the one who saved Grogu, which would be absolutely amazing. And I would also think it would be amazing, even more amazing, if she gets caught in the attempt and becomes one of the first Imperial Inquisitors. Mic drop. Wow. Okay, so for those who can't see my face, I'm astonished because I love Barris. I think that Barris was the epitome of upstanding Jedi Padawan. 
And during her little arc, her first arc with Ahsoka, when we meet her, I'm like, why can't Ahsoka be like her? She is amazing. She is perfect. And you have the visual dictionary after the Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, uh, Attack of the Clones, in which it says, oh, she lives out her days and she's a faithful Jedi. And then Dave Filoni went, nope. And I went, how dare you? Not my Barris. Like, what? But that's really interesting. However, there's another, I don't know if this is an Easter egg. You know this better than I do. Who's lightsaber is that? They focused on that. They made sure to focus on that lightsaber dropping. Whose lightsaber is that? I have never seen that design before in my life and it captivated me. I think they were just trying to I go I feel like for, I have. See, and I, I, it was probably one of the more style, and it did have the more stylized emitter from Clone Wars that I'm used to seeing. And the um, double. But the thin neck with the, with the double flange emitter and the... Yeah, it. I couldn't... It kind of reminded me of Obi-Wan's a little bit. Because of the thin neck. The thin neck, the double emitter, the two-button emitter, um, or possibly maybe Qui-Gon's, like that little... It has what I call a very prequel lightsaber feel. There was only about four or five models created for the prequel films. Just to save time and money, they were mass-produced, and they were called, quote-unquote, clan hilts. And that explains why all the Jedi carry of some version of that with a few notable exceptions for things like the clone wars and such or if you're samuel l jackson point is i think they were going for a dramatic effect with it being on the ground and showing that the jedi had fallen i think that was the intention and because it's such a long shot stuck on that particular hilt you as a star wars fan are going oh wait a minute who is that who is that who is that instead of just focusing in on the on the moment gotcha now you got me, see, and usually I'm the person who's like, let's look at the big picture. And you're like, okay, but the details. <laughs> I only learned about the Barris thing this this evening as before we recorded this. Somebody had a, a picture of it with a circle. I'm like, wait, what? This person, who? And sure enough, they actually went in. And if you go back and watch The Clone Wars as Anakin's talking to Barris, you see that four diamond kind of configuration pattern. pattern thank you words hard pattern on her <laughs> door that's also on her face as part of her her facial tattoos mm -hmm. and then in the book of boba fett episode as Grogu's remembering the order 66 massacre on the jedi temple off to the side on one of the doors blinking you'll miss it you see the four diamond pattern the four diamond pattern in red on that door that the jedi are fighting in front of whether or not she was one of the Jedi fighting or at least lightsaber wielding warriors because she was no longer a Jedi at that point, that remains to be seen because you don't, I don't think you see all of them fall right away, but definitely it was nice to hear Tamora Morrison voicing the clones instead of getting deep Bradley Baker. That would have been a slap in the face to Tamora Morrison. A little bit. Yeah. But something did just, an idea just sparked inside of me. I think that's the first time Luke has ever seen Order 66. I don't even think he knew what Order 66 was. I don't know if he could put a name to it unless Grogu knows as Order 66, but that's the first time he's ever seen Order 66. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. The first time we're seeing the original trilogy main character see the very thing that his father was responsible for, which... That very kind of um, 
sly line of dialogue. Oh, just like your father. It makes you go, yay, because she knew Anakin. Then, then all of a sudden you remember Luke tried to murder his nephew in his sleep and his father killed a bunch of younglings. Ah! And then his grandson committed patricide. Well, there was that. But also that led to one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars where yeah. he like thinks back to that day and he thinks about talking to his dad and you realize he's just a scared kid who needs his dad. And yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm getting a little worked up thinking about it because I'm a dad now and it hit seriously. I'm sitting in the theater watching that and I'm whole, I'm, I, I got my best friend, my best friend since childhood sitting next to me on one side and our other friend who fell asleep on the other side of me, who's, has also just recently become a dad and I'm trying to hold it together. Be a tough guy. Be a tough guy. Nope. Don't be a tough guy. Let it out. It's okay. He's just like Adam driver to perfect delivery. Dad and Harrison Ford. I know. Oh. <laughs> so good. Let's look at, let's just kind of break down some little, little Easter eggs, little likes and dislikes, just real quick things that might not have thought. So for example, the sneeze, Grogu's sneeze, adorbs. Like, just, I just want to listen to that all the time. I was getting some heavy boyfriend vibes from the deputy. Cobb Vanth and the deputy were an item kind of a thing. I was just like, oh, yeah, they together. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that is. Uh, and then I thought about Grogu being in that little jump. You as a dad, you know this. You can't drive a toddler in a Porsche. You got to get a minivan or an SUV. And that Naboo Starfighter, that's a Porsche. What, what are you going to... I mean, yes, it can go into hyperspace without a jump ring and stuff like that. But that literally requires them to land at a space station or a planet every single night. Get a hotel. They can't sleep in that thing. Remember... Mando got an entire planet with the Darksaber. Something tells me he'll have somewhere to go. But that's kind of destroyed. Mandalore is destroyed right now. Well, then why did Sabine take Ezra and the Rebel crew back in Season 4 of Rebels? They looked like people were still living there to me. But didn't a Night of a Thousand Tears happen after that? No. Night of oh. a Thousand Tears happened before that. Oh, okay. Then never mind. I still haven't finished Rebels, so I don't know. Oh whoops! Yeah, yeah. They they don't they don't. Yeah, nothing happens. Yeah, don't don't worry. About it. No, <laughs> don't worry. You don't have. Yeah. To, it's it's fine. Yeah, I don't mind being spoiled. So for, yeah, as yeah. as a dad, I'm gonna say it right now. Having Luke try to get Grogu to jump, he does this little like little baby jump. It was like like oh my god, a cute. It's so cute. My kids do that. Oh yeah, I try to get my kids to jump, and they just kind of just a little a little hop. <laughs> that's it. That's that's all you got. It's like. Dude, come on, let him be cute, will ya? Maybe it's just because we just have two wildly different perspectives on things, but I thought that the deputy was just overeager and Cobb's like, yeah, bro, let's slow it down a little bit. Was not picking up any anything from that other than I knew he was going to get murked at the second trouble happened because that's, that's what happens to red shirts. Sure. I don't know about you, but I definitely got this vibe as soon as... Uh, Luke unfurled what was in that package, which you were right, chainmail armor. Here's a pretty thing. Mithril, as light as a feather and as hard as dragon scales. That's immediately what I thought of. I don't get it. You ever see the Fellowship of the Ring when Bilbo gives Frodo the Mithril shirt? Please tell me you've seen the Lord of the Rings. Look at your face. Oh my God. I have. Um, 
I I have. I don't really remember much about it. It's okay. It. It, it, if, you, if, if you've always seen it once or have never seen it, basically in, in The Lord of the Rings, they have a plot device. Well, that's not a plot device, but a, a very convenient thing for one of the main characters to get called Mithril. It's it's a, a myth, mystical enchant, whatever. Basically, chainmail armor, and it's for a hobbit, which a hobbit is no bigger than, I want to say, a kindergartner, maybe even smaller than that. For Luke to pull out a little dinky chainmail shirt that immediately reminded me of the hobbits from... Lord of the Rings, so I I got that. And a fun fact about chainmail is that it is easily size upable. Like you can easily tailor it, add more chains, take them out as they as needed to fit. So that is a garment. As long as there's some Beskar, or I mean, it doesn't really have to be Beskar because it's along the seams. That chainmail shirt can grow with Grogu. Yeah, and the symbolism behind that it's so that Mando can always protect his son. Yep. And um, again, back to Soka. It's like Soka. He is allowed to have a present from his dad. Well, no. Like, stop. At the same time, though, for him to be so young, in order to get him to focus and be able to stay in the moment in order to train him properly, having to kind of get him to not think about his attachments, that's an okay thing. And maybe that's part of the misdirect that they're going where they're trying to paint Luke as this this stick in the mud, no different than the prequel Jedi who rightfully got got destroyed because they were too stupid to see what was going on right in front of them. As a quick segue, not only did anyone not raise an eyebrow at the fact that Obi-Wan finds both a hidden clone army being created and a droid army that's being created in the same freaking day. And then Count Dooku, Darth Tyrannus, one of the baddest, badass mofos in all of Star Wars. Okay? He tells them the the truth he tells them everything that's going on oh no that that no that, that can't and that goes back to that earlier scene with yoda truly wonderful the mind of a child is because children can think in ways that adults can't because adults can get so stuck in their ways and and immovable inflexible so for luke to start to show the signs of that kind of rigidness an inability to say, hey, yes, he can be both a Mandalorian foundling and a Jedi student. I they was are thinking, not mutually exclusive. Yep, and I was thinking, you know what? The prevailing internet theory is, is that Grogu is going to be the second Mandalorian Jedi in all of Star Wars. Next to Tar cool. Vizsla. That would be freaking dope. Man, like that, that would be the most Dave Filoni thing to do. And you know what? There's other characters that have things from their, that is important to their culture and representative of feats that they have done that is exemplary within their culture. Do you know who? Ahsoka. Her headband, um, it has a name and I can't think of it. Yeah, I is, actually, uh, that there was her. That's her Padawan braid, essentially. No, 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 no. So her, she had a, she had for her Padawan braid, she had like a list of, she had a string of beads. I'm talking. She's got a, a headband that goes right above her, like her trells, and I'm not saying that right, but that is you earn those in your culture for exemplary acts and things like that. She should not have that. If Jedi are removed from their species, from their planets, from their cultures, she should never have that. She should have never had that. So F her for saying Grogu can't get this 
not allowed to have this because it'll remind you of him when she has something. Uh-uh. Seeing again, no, I'm going to harken back to my original point in that that didn't come until after she had learned the focus and the discipline to not let it define her and distract her. And she gets so attached that the dark side, that fear of losing it, she had essentially reached the pinnacle of maturity in that it's okay if this disappears. It's okay if I lose this. It's okay if something happens. Why? Because I'm a part of the grander scheme of things, the greater cosmic force, the unifying force. You can make that same argument for Grogu's chainmail. Right. But at the same time, we just got done comparing him to a toddler choosing between a nap and a cookie. Until you can un, until you can get the toddler, or at least the toddler's no longer a toddler, more of a, uh, a a young boy who can start to understand and isn't mostly id. Until sure, but there until, are people... Until they're, see, and that's part of the great debate, is we either expect him to be able to process like a 50-year-old person and go, okay, yes, this is important to me, but I'm not going to let it distract me versus, oh my God, I miss my dad. That's all I'm going to focus on, which means that it's, he's going to be very difficult to train because he's not in the moment. But kids are given things, heirlooms, little necklaces, little trinkets, stuff like that, that they have on them without really just like, oh, my great grandmother died. Here is a ring that was your great grandmother's, right? Or here's a bracelet. That was your great-grandmother's. And they wear it. They don't understand. They just know it was their great-grandmother's. They don't understand the the significance of it. But? If that is lost, then it's that is lost. Not the grandmother. Not the great-grandmother. But they don't understand that. All they know is this one object that I cannot live without because reasons. They, but they don't... again... It's not the it's not that they can't live without it. It's just that they've it's been a part of them for so long. And you have a piece of armor, right? That he wears, say, all the time. And he's got and he just puts it on because that's what he wears. And he's never really gonna lose it. But that is if he were to if it were to get stolen, it wouldn't be, oh my gosh, my dad is gone. I'm never gonna see my dad and they're gonna kill my dad. It's oh no, this armor that I had that keeps me protected, it was it, my dad gave it to me, but Oh my gosh! Like, like what am I gonna do without it? Because like, uh, I'm, this this was my like armor. It's not about losing the parent. It's not about this is losing the item is not akin to oh now death and destruction is gonna come upon my parent. It's almost an afterthought. It's like okay, well why was it so important? It's like well it's chainmail. I've had it forever. Like it's grown with me. It keeps we get it resized so that it always fits me. My, it was my dad gave it to me when I was like a kid. But what I'm gonna do like this is my armor. Like I don't wear other robes. It's an afterthought. Yeah, see, and, and there it is. If it is truly an afterthought, then we have to make sure that Grogu is mature enough to know and understand that, yes, if something were to happen to it, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. That comes with training, though. See, and there it is. If that they want to make sure first that he is capable of truly grasping and understanding what's being asked of him first. I'm, I don't make the rules here. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the fallacy in your argument. You are saying that he has to understand this choice before he gets it. What I'm saying, no, he doesn't have to know this choice. 
it can just be given to him. He doesn't need to know where it is. He just was like, oh, here, this is something your dad left you. And that's it. That's it. They don't treat it as anything else. Right. It's just something he's where they don't treat it with grand reverence or anything. It's just like, hey, make sure that you wear this because it's made of Beskar. It will protect you against lightsabers. Like, that's it. You don't have to have this big reverence. He doesn't have to have the maturity level to make that decision. And that's what's cruel is that Luke is making him make this choice when he doesn't have the mental capacity to do it. See, and there it is, which means that he doesn't have the mental capacity to be able to separate the fact that this is just an inanimate object that, yes, it's a gift from your father, which is good. We're not saying it's a bad thing that exists. It's, are you now going to be so distracted? Are you going to be able to focus? Are you going to be able to do this rigorous, intensive training that's going to take everything you've got? Or are you going to sit and focus on how much you miss your dad? Because he gave it to you. Because you're not mature enough and old enough to be able to process and do that. I, I Okay. And I think we, we, we can go back and forth on this all night. And this is great. I love it. I absolutely love it. But you're not understanding what I'm saying. I think I, I, think I am. Okay. If, he, if Luke were to just be like, yes, the Mandalorian came to visit and he couldn't stay long, but he left this for you. And we're going to make sure that it fits. And when the time comes that you wear it. That's it. Mm. It doesn't put any reverence. I, I get yet. it. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the approach, okay, in that in that regard, yes, I feel like that's a failure in the writing then because they, they kind of, they wrote that intentionally to have that kind of cruelness that like, you got to pick between this gift of your father or shiny laser stick. And if you pick one, you can't have the other. He's not old enough to understand the ramifications of that decision. Right. And I and if I had to venture a guess then, Leah, it's because the old Jedi way, when it comes to attachment, they're probably worried that if he has both, he may not be able to focus because he'll be more concentrated on one, the emotions of, oh, I miss my father, like Anakin. I miss her. I'm afraid to lose him. And that's another cyclical thing that's what right. got Darth Vader in the end. But he's not old enough to have those thoughts yet. But until we know for certain why, we're just now spitballing and we're going back and yeah. forth and getting a little uncivilized in our cantina. Oops. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's why we're here. That's, that's what we come here. for. This is just a glimpse of really, when we really get into these topics, when we really get to the nitty gritty, these nuances are the things that we're going to debate and we really want to hear your guys' opinion. Do you like to see the hate flow? Is there another way that you'd like us to approach this? What are some things that you guys picked up that we missed? Like, let us know. Our socials are down in the description box. You can email us, send us DMs. We've got uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check those out. Follow us on there. We'd love to have you. Engage on the conversation there. And of course, as we always say, keep it civilized. No matter how unruly we get, it gets a little loud. You hear the clinking of glasses and stuff. Maybe a bar fight. But to wrap this all up, since it is the last episode next week, we have to address the rumor. The rumor that hung above our heads when the season started. And now that Spice has been brought in definitively, we know we've seen it. Han Solo. Yeah, I hope Han doesn't show up. I think that would that would totally take me out. I'm hoping it's a Boba Fett, Cad Bane type situation, or at least alluding to one that could build up 
in season two of the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I just hope that Cobb Banth gets more of his due because I feel like they're giving him the Cara Dune treatment in that shows up for a little bit just so you kind of get to know him a little bit. And you don't see him, don't see him, don't see him, and then pops up again just as a as a convenient plot device more yeah. so than anything else. And I do believe that Cara Dune became more of a supporting role, and rightly so. Cobb Vanth feels slightly more wasted just because of the less amount of time we've had with him. Yes, we saw him in Mandalorian Season 2, but they also had a wonderful opportunity to make him a true part of the show because he's on Tatooine. And yeah, you can easily argue that, yeah, he didn't want anything to do with what was going on because, hey, this is Mos Pelago. We're staying out of this stuff. You could still have done that at the very beginning of the show. Hey, I'm just bringing this to your attention. I'm going back to my my place here. Leave me out of it. And then at the very end, they go, dude, now you know they're here, they're coming, and they are not going to stop. Now they're threatening you and yours. What are you going to do? Okay, I'm in. See, they could have done that and have it not, again, feel so wasted. Yeah, but when it comes to, for example, Han Solo, it's a really interesting time because, one, he's not a spice runner anymore. Two, him and Leia are still married. Their their marriage doesn't dissolve until after Ben has gone to be with uh, Luke. He's and that's still five years away from them shipping him off to Luke. And yes, he's kind of still doing some runs, but he wouldn't get involved in Spice. Definitely not with his wife doing that. It just doesn't make sense. And the only thing I can think of is that either he's coming to help Luke. And possibly, I don't know, transport Grogu back to the Mandalorian? I don't know. Maybe he's joining the fight. Maybe Luke joins the fight against the Pikes. Don't know. Like, that'd be a weird thing. But the only other plausible thing I can think of is that, you know, he's taking Ben to be with Luke. But that, again, is still five years away. See, and now that you mentioned Han and Leia, for all we know, Leia is so wrapped up in New Republic stuff, Han's bored. Well, we know that. Han's bored. Han feels neglected. Han just needs something to do. He spoils for a fight. He gets tied in with the wrong people. And his doing those things, ending up on Tatooine again, getting involved with stuff with Pikes and all that, that could very well add to strife in the marriage, which creates conflict, which further, you know what I mean? Like it, it adds to the dysfunction one of the reasons why Ben Solo is such a fantastic character that it goes underappreciated is because he has, he comes from a broken home that wasn't so broken, but it's so dysfunctional. It could easily feel like any one of any one of our homes, you know, oh, it all, was abusive. It, or at the very least, like parents were so wrapped up in other things. They completely neglected their own freaking kid. That's abuse. I don't disagree. <laughs> but just remember in all fairness, though, Leia's father did blow up her adoptive home planet. That's true. You don't get any more abusive than that. That's true. That is very true. And again, it, you know, we're getting these rumors, if you guys don't know, that we're getting the rumors that or Harrison Ford had filmed some scenes as Han Solo in the volume, you know, coming out. And again, this could be for The Mandalorian. This could be for The Ahsoka Show. This could be for... Book of Boba Fett season two because you know they're they're filming these way in advance and we don't know exactly what this is for 
But I guess the reports are also saying that this was some time ago and they're just now hearing about it. And again, I'm like, why would you de-age Harrison Ford when you have Alden? We have a young actor who's cast as Han Solo that it would be good, but we know that Harrison Ford does anything for the dollar dollar bills, yo. Yeah, as much <laughs> as I would love to see Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo again, I feel like because if they're going to go out of their way to digitally de-age Mark Hamill and give us 1985 Mark Hamill, you know, aged up from Return of the Jedi, you'd have to do the same thing with Carrie and Harrison just out of fairness because I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping those rumors remain unfounded and untrue. And, you know, I got to say, with the amount of leaks and huge rumor mills that were happening with Mandalorian Season 2, there's been next to nothing with this show, and a lot of stuff started happening an episode or two after the series premiered. So clearly, they're doing something right now to keep this stuff under lock and key because if you would have told me at the start of the show that we were going to see digital Luke Skywalker on screen with Ahsoka, I would have told you you were out of your mind. As much as I enjoyed it, as a Star Wars fan, people, listen to my voice. That was an amazing Star Wars fan moment. Like the happy, sad Steve Carell or the happy crying Steve Carell gif, you know, where he's, he's, he's so happy. He's in tears. That was me. That, that was, that was this cat right here. And that's okay. I unashamedly admit it. Now in the grand context of the show, I will still say weakest of the bunch because it distracts us from the main topic at hand. And there is one other thing I wanted to mention real fast before we wrap this up. How are they going to do Jennifer Beals like that, man? Come on. Come on. I think she's safe. I think she's safe. Because you see in her eyes, she knows exactly what that is. Now, I don't know. She we obviously know she didn't get out the front door, but it could very well be there's a trap door. There is some secret passageway that she keep under some roulette table that she got under. And it begs the question, why that establishment? There must have been something else going on. They must have saw something. It's because it's under Boba Fett's production. Okay, but you could say that about anywhere in Mos Espa. Heck, they could have gone after the other leaders that Boba was trying to get to help him. He said, just stay out of it and you're fine. But we don't know. They might have. That We might see that next week. That's fair. So yes, we will see next week. And I don't know about you, but I cannot wait. I'm hoping this is the longest episode of the entire thing. I'm Same. hoping it is front to back, balls to the wall. Absolute insanity awesome because we have waited this long. We deserve this. All the money clearly went to these last few episodes. So this one, I've got a good feeling about this. I have a very anxiety-filled feeling about this. (laughs) All right, but that's going to be it for us tonight, patrons. Thank you so much for pulling up a chair and having a drink with us. Like always, we truly do appreciate it. Check out our socials below. We have a Twitter, Instagram. You can email us. We have a TikTok. Reach out to us. Let us know how you're feeling, what you're thinking. Did we miss something you wanted to talk about? Did we maybe look at things some differently than you did? Or do you agree with us? Do you just flat out disagree? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, remember, we always serve your kind here. segment's called Let Leah's Hate.
screw you. <laughs> Yeah, that's getting cut. <laughs> Let's go into the bloopers. <laughs> oh, come on. Let me have some kind of fun, will ya? It is. It's going in the bloopers. 